originally of this podcast started with me being changed and left me a little bit confused so i had a young conference with my wife um to see what her thoughts are and potentially what my next step could be my wife hit me for a six right she felt that retrenchment is the best thing to happen to me in a while for a long time i didn't understand this but i think i'm getting the hang of it because you're just so far away from what the person you wanted to become and i made you you're full of dreams my love you're gonna do production you're gonna be a storyteller you're gonna get into movies you wanted to do this you're going overseas you're going to travel basically <laughs> in that clip she's saying that i shattered my dreams right which is partly true and to be honest nobody wants to shit on their dreams now i'm spending time talking to people that have gone through the same thing or have other experiences related to the pandemic last episode i had a conversation with my colleague umili we went through the same retrenchment process she survived i didn't she gave her perspective on the whole thing the craziest part is that months have passed and when I asked Millie if she feels guilty for surviving, this was her response. It did. Even now, I still do. Because even um, I look every day for any opportunity within the organization. And I recommend um, people all the time. I do. Somehow, I feel like it's my fault that um, I survived and other people did not. In this episode, I want to understand things from a different perspective. I link up with Lorette Makubele. Her official title is this, People and Culture Director. She works for a large multinational and she's working from home, so I paid her a visit. We had a lovely conversation over a great cup of coffee. Lorette broke it down for me in a way that I never understood before. She gave me an insight into potentially how this retrenchment process can be handled. And she's purely speaking from her personal experience as someone that implemented this thing and as someone that has gone through it herself. But first, let me let Lorette introduce herself, what she does and what she's all about. So in South Africa, we have offices around South Africa. So we've got five major offices. We've got official entities in Angola and DRC, but we also operate in about uh, 17 other countries within um, Africa where we have, you know, other offices or uh, distributors or other partners who look after our business for us, but not officially operating as part of our entity. So, yeah, so my role is looking after not just HR actually, but but, but other facilities, let me call it. So looking after offices, facilities, security is part of my job and uh, fleet. Security. Yes. So not just office security, but when you work for a multinational, it's also about the trucks that are moving around our people as well. So any country we go to, my security manager makes sure she's done the research about what's happening in that country. We send you the person who's traveling updates. We record your travel also on the system so we know where you are. So if there's any kind of emergencies, we can pull you out as quickly as possible. So we track everyone who's traveling, where they're going, and are they good to go where they're supposed to be going. Okay, well, that's interesting. And just for the purposes of the discussion, mm. what is the role of HR and what are you guys supposed to be doing for employees and the employer? HR, so we talk about an employee value chain. So it starts from attracting people to the organization, recruiting the whole induction process, making you settle, settle in the company, providing training. Main part of it is looking after the culture. So making sure that people actually enjoy being 
in the co company are supported. Managers know what they're supposed to be doing so people can enjoy their stay up until the point where you want to leave or we have to ask you to leave and then we also facilitate that process. <laughs> That's the one I know about. <laughs> so it's, and it's everything in between, you know, so... Yes, so people think, yes, HR is hiring and firing because that's where the pleasant inter, uh, interaction starts and the unpleasant inter interaction starts. But there's so much in between. And HR can be popular and unpopular depending on the person's view of how we've helped them along the way. HR is a, it's a management job. So there's some people who will be very passionate about how they hate HR and how HR is for is on the management side. HR is a management job. As a HR director, I make management decisions. I know what every department is there to do, is meant to be doing. I give input on how we can support to make your life easy. But I also say to my colleagues, yes, you're right and no, you're wrong. You know, but wrong is wrong and right is right. You know, but you know what, sometimes often disappoints me about people is that when you sign an employment contract with the organization, it's about you offering your services and getting compensated for those services. But while you are in the company's services, you know, you also are agreeing to oblige to the rules. It's your responsibility to acquaint yourself with the rules, with that is now the policies, the procedures and the requirements and live by them. If you don't, then it's not that, you know, sometimes managers are wrong and managers themselves do not always live by the rules. So when a manager is also breaking the rules, it's my responsibility to tell them, uh, you know, it's like one of the tests we learned a long time, even back at school, was is the rule, is there a rule? Is the rule fair? And for me, the only way I can test if a rule is fair is am I willing to follow it? If I'm not willing to follow it, then I'm testing that rule, you know, so I will challenge the rule. And, you know, and that's it. So they, can the rule be reasonably um, expected to be followed? So we should test that for ourselves as human beings. And that's what HR, and I work a lot with my uh, legal colleagues as well. And we debate it. If it's not practical, then no, we're not applying it. But if it is, uh, then best we all follow it. What is a good, uh, I guess, I don't know if that's the right description, but what is a, let's just say, what is a, what do you think is a good culture? What does that look like? It's got different connotations. You know, so there's companies that, where the culture for them is about competitive competitiveness, about productivity, and you are chasing that big bonus and you're going to get it, you know? And it's a dog-eat-dog -dog culture, but... People who love their, their work, that's what they thrive on. It's like they're individualistic in their approach and they want to be left alone to succeed. That's a good culture for them. And I can't compete with it. The culture that works for me is a culture where people care about each other. You know, so we work, we work well because also my colleagues next to me are also lifted up. So it's not just about me, it's about us. That's the culture I thrive in. And that's the culture where I am now working in. I'm going to make sure that we are all pulling each other forward. And it's not just about me. People have dealt with a lot. You know, like single people during COVID, one of the biggest emotional issues we've been dealing with is anxiety, I mean, loneliness and abandonment. Issues that you can't expect. Ex 
understand really when you have a family and you're surrounded by people and has been something else. And the anxiety and the just the fear of getting exposed to COVID, but the fear of dying. And are these things people are expressing to you or is it, do they come out with it or do you find out maybe when performance drops? It's when, when, it's when performance drops because sometimes people can't self-diagnose. They don't know. You know, so I had to deal with anxiety issues, but I noticed it when I fell ill. And I, it was not from COVID. I just had severe stomach problems. And I just realized that, you know what, the emotions are just coming up in their own way. And now I had to put in some mechanisms to, to help manage. But because I'm often free to talk and my team, I set up my team as well that, you know, we catch up more often and we can talk about these issues. So when you start talking, someone said, but maybe it's this, you know, or maybe have you considered something like this? So counseling doesn't have to be always with a, with a psychologist. It has to be, are you free to talk to someone? Do you have someone to talk to? previous episode, we touched on some of the tools available to you as an employee when faced with any challenge at work. Following on from that, now that we've set up the foundation, my next question to her was, has she dealt with any retrenchments or any kind of restructuring? And what was their approach? Before A year before COVID, in 2019, we did retrench. We went through a whole restructuring globally. And we lost 26 uh, heads, let me say 26 jobs. Out of those, you know, we had the foresight to then freeze vacancies. And so, okay, while we're still going through managing, planning this whole process, let's stop recruiting. And, you know, let's see how natural attrition is going to help us, you know, resignations and stuff. So by the time the, the decision and the communication came, will we are retrenching and we communicated and you just go through those emotions, you know, but it's tough. It's tough because then, you know, like when I'm done, then I would go to my boss or go to my colleagues and just cry in the office. We cry together, but it needs to be done because as an organization, this is the journey we've committed to, you know, so some management decisions you don't necessarily have to agree with them. It's not, it's not even your decision. Your responsibility is to implement. So when, because you understand that logic, so we went through it. But you know, like, I'm just trying to make a, an example of sometimes where, I'm gonna call it good HR, anticipation. Stop, recruit, stop recruiting as soon as possible. You know, then after, cause after we recruit, we communicate with those people, you know, then we had some vacancies we had to fill. Then we filled those vacancies and only 13 people, actually, we even offered voluntary packages to say those who want to go, here's a, sure. here's a sweetener and we will kick, we'll throw in and we throw in a hundred thousand rands per person to then say, here's a sweetener for those who want to put their hands up on top of your retrenchment package, here's a hundred thousand for you to go. So by that, I can, I'm happy to, I'm proud to say everyone who left mm. was the people who put up their hands and said, I'll go. Okay. And then everyone else, then we moved around. But we still mm. reduced the headcount we needed to. So before you tell me 
how to handle this thing or at least advise people yeah. because I think I handled it like a champion personally. No, because I, I I think I understood why. Um because I get it when it happens. In my head the battle what what people were fighting mostly was I want to keep my job. But the employer was saying jobs are gonna have to go because it's a business decision. And I was in a sales environment, so money wasn't coming in. Uh, advertising had stopped or slowed down drastically. So it was a matter of how do we figure out which jobs stay and which go. But some jobs are going to go. And a lot of the conversations were about, um, I didn't do anything wrong. Why are they doing this? This is not right. So I think I thought you were fighting a different battle. So it's, it's called a no-fault termination for a reason. It's not the fault of the employee, you know, so there's that's the one thing that's called a no fault termination. So, yes, you didn't do anything wrong as an individual for you to be going through this. And yes, at that time, there's no way after you tell me I'm going to lose my job, you're going to think I'm going to sit on my computer and still be productive. It doesn't happen. And the company doesn't expect it. You know, after we communicated that as an organization, I knew the next month, guys, productivity is going to go down. Not only for the people who are impacted, even your colleagues, because they also have something called survivor guilt. They can't focus while I can't. There's no way I can focus when my colleague here is struggling. So how did you anticipate that? Like, what did you guys do exactly? I suppose anticipation through experience, because, you know, it's, it's also was not like my first rodeo. But when you as a, part of your studies in HR is psychology for you to understand human emotion and experiences. But eh, we are humans, you know, so, you know, you know, when I, I have myself been retrenched before somewhere along my employment journey. So I understand that, you know, so and also it's like when, you know, like one of the important things, tell people the truth, tell people the truth, don't lie to them. But also one of the challenges, when do we communicate? You can't communicate too soon and you can't communicate too late. It's a fine balance. And sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we get it right. But all I knew is that I have, I've given myself and the whole company a month from communication to termination because it's happening. It's ha- at, the, at the point where we communicate, we've known from eight months prior yeah. that it was coming. But we couldn't tell people then because we didn't have the right plans. We didn't know. You know, it's like it's torture also to keep people hanging for eight months and yes, you know, it's give people opportunity maybe to look for jobs. But again, eh, my, my, my role here to the employer is I have sold, I'm selling my services for a pay. So looking after the interests of the company is still my responsibility. But while doing my best to look after the interests of the people as well. But I'm here to do a job, first yeah, and foremost. Yeah, you did it in 30 days. I, yes, so from communicating to people. to people leaving and then from, yeah. Yeah, you did it in 30 days. So was it one of those ones where I could say by Bitang, but you're, you're going, so there's no consultation. Because ours was three months and there was consultation. You had to reapply for your job or jobs. All of that happened because we knew it. So we planned it. So like, you know, so it's, for me, it's like when you know what you're doing, we communicated on a Monday, we advertised the jobs on the Tuesday. We gave ourselves a week for those jobs to be advertised. We, we interviewed whoever wanted to be interviewed, 
offers were given to them, okay, you're going to start next month. So that happened in that week. Those who also wanted to put up their hands, we said to them on that Monday, put up your hands, please, you've got until Friday. So we knew then the next Monday who has put up their jobs. We then said, okay, fine. So how many heads do we now need to, not need to worry about as we're doing the recruitment? And then, yes, but I must qualify that my headcount allowed me to do it in a month. The bigger the organization, the more difficult and perhaps and longer it would take. But having a plan and executing it as quickly as possible, it, it sounds a bit cutthroat, but it's the most humane thing also to do for yourselves because it's an emotionally exhausting process. And it's a zero productivity time at that, at that moment as well. We need to get out of that funk so we can, the survivors can survive and those who decide to go on their own accord can go. And those who are then eventually told, sorry boss, you know, we've tried everything, you have to go. Libana to give them the time to just accept and move on to the next chapter. Yeah, no, I think it's it's a better approach when when there's a plan and it's communicated um, because, I mean, when we were told in December, at the start of December, so always already that sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the process ran until end of February. We never communicate anything in December and we never communicate anything on a Friday. We <laughs> 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 had meetings on CCMA meetings on Fridays sometimes. We, you don't want the weekend to pass yeah. with people just chewing without information. It's bad. December is a good time, but it's also the worst time emotionally for people. It's a good time for those who've got bonuses and jobs. It's the worst time for everybody else without, who don't have families. So it's the loneliest time of the year. It is the saddest time of the year for people who don't have money because they're seeing people just flashing, you know, the yeah, love lives here, stories, whatever, on, on social media, whatever, you know. So, yeah. It, yeah, December is the worst time of the year to do that to people. No, so I think it's a good, it's a good, uh, King, uh, advice for those that decide to do this thing, you know. And I agree with you. I think the shorter you keep it with a clear plan, you know, and say, because a lot of employees also felt that you guys should know what you want. Because it also felt like we we're now competing for each other's positions, right? We are colleagues, some of us are friends. And it's hard when they say to you, both of you, your jobs are going to be, I don't know, I can't remember what they called it, but they're amalgamated. So now you guys must apply for this job. And I was like, okay, now I'm competing with this guy, but one of us is going to lose. You're right. And we kind of know who. The, the Labor Relations Act says performance cannot be a consideration. But humanly, how the hell can it not be? You know... The one who performs better, the one who's got the better attitude is the one we're going to prefer to stay with. And yes, it happens sometimes that you've got two very good performers, but there must be a differentiator. So, you know, Labor Relations Act, you know, guideline first is about um, tenure. The one who's been the longest is the most protected because tenure or length of service is the one thing that can be legally defended in court, in labor court. Any other selection criteria is very subjective or considered to be very subjective. But performance becomes then when those things then come into play, when this competition then comes, then performance comes, comes, comes at play. So for me, it's I always advise people, if you don't enjoy where you are working, where you're working, find someone else to work. But if you are going to be working, then 
hey, can you try be a pleasant? Can you just try to be an, a pleasant employee? But you're right, the best way to put it is apply yourself. And then why, why does a company opt for, and this is not your company specifically, but why would a company opt for Section 189 when they have some funds? Why couldn't they just say, listen, these positions need to go, they're not working. For it to work, here is a sweetener for you, we need you to go. So that's still a Section 189. It's still, it, little now, we're still going through a section 189, but we made it voluntary. So it, it was voluntary retrenchments instead of forced retrenchments. So we started with voluntary retrenchments. That's when we threw the sweetener, volunteer to go. And then those who then stay, who don't volunteer to go, we were lucky in this process that I've just um, mentioned, we were lucky that enough people raised their hands to go. But should we not have had enough people to go, we would have still had to go through now the forced retrenchments to then say, listen, we have tried voluntary, we've tried recruiting and placing other people elsewhere, but we still have excess people. And now I'm sorry, but to you, here's your retrenchment package. And sadly, when you get to the forced part, you don't have to throw in a sweetener. Yeah. Yeah. How, how would you advise people that are facing, employees particularly, that are facing, and employers themselves, that are facing the situation. So let's assume that now the decision has been made, it's been communicated and I'm on the list. How do I manage this thing? So as an employee, there isn't much that you can do at that point. Yeah, so yes, they'll say the process because the Labor Relations Act is quite clear, there needs to be a consultation process. You know, we have to listen to people to, you know, consult with them, hear out alternatives, but Trust me, 99% of employers and their HR are good enough to know because at that point also we, we consult with legal counsel, external legal counsel. We don't want to make mistakes. So we've considered all the possibilities. We have. So yes, we have to also hear the employees out, but most of the time, even the suggestions employees make, we've already considered them, you know? So I would say it is tough. For me, it's like, yes, it's a tough thing, but be graceful still. Because unfortunately, most companies who also retrench, retrench certain jobs at this time. And most it's, we need to, we, we've, maybe we had grown too big too, too fast. We now need to review our processes so that we can grow again. So we, we actually reduce our expenditure and our focus so that we can, the aim is to grow. When we grow, you want to, you would want us to still consider you perhaps as a potential employee. Because yeah. if we, if the plan works out, then in the next 18 months or so, jobs will open up again. And if we remember Tsepo as being the, oh, but Tsepo was such a sad loss. <laughs> We're gonna call Tsepo. Yeah. Some people are non-regretted losses, as we call them, you know, in HR. <laughs> like, we don't regret that. We don't regret that loss, and we're never going to call you back because, A, you were so unpleasant, you know? So that's the thing, though. Just be, just be graceful, because at that time, I promise you, all considerations have been made. But also for employers, two requests I have. Have a plan. By the time you start this process, have a plan. Like... My HR plan was all of these things, but also ICAS was ready to do debriefs for teams that were impacted to come in, the, to consult t full teams. I had a recruitment agency that I recruited who can come help people with their CVs and interview skills. 
I had a financial advisor also who was ready to come in and help people like, okay, the company has pre-calculated your potential package. What are you going to do with it? Uh, also, let's look at all your other financial responsibilities. How are you going to balance things out? Chances are maybe you'll be unemployed for the next eight months. How are we going to handle this? You know, and in my small way, that was my wish when people like, you know, Hardy, you know, Hardy, I'm with you, but I'm sorry, but this needs to happen. If anyone ever wants some support, guys, just ask your other colleagues in other companies. Someone knows something that you don't. And that's how I do. When I'm going through something that I don't know, I pick up the phone and I ask somebody. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Very useful information. Thank you for that. It was an interesting chat. What can we learn from this episode? For starters, we should really look out for each other, particularly in a work environment, since, well, we're stuck together for a while. Help doesn't always have to be professional. Find somebody, anybody to talk to. If you have a job, appreciate it. Commit to it. And if you no longer like the job, then find another one instead of being toxic. To employers, should the business need to let people go, plan, 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 and execute with precision and care. Beyond that, shit happens. These things happen. Life moves on, and trust me, you'll bounce back. This is what's coming up in the next episode. We'll be chilling, you know, at home. The heater's on, you know, it's cold, it's June. But I'll be feeling like I'm in cold, iced water. I'll be shivering. And everyone is looking at me, and I'm sitting with a blanket, and there's a heat. And I'm wearing warm clothes. Then I started thinking something is wrong here. Getting headaches, forever tired. And I was like, shucks, I need to go get help. Little did I know that during this time, as I was going through my drama at work, a friend of mine was facing some real life shit. First with COVID and then dealing with um, death in the family due to COVID. And this was happening at the same time that I was experiencing my own stuff and I had no idea. We're going to switch things up a bit. We've been discussing work and now we're going to deal with the real human cost of COVID-19, the pandemic and everything else coming up in the next episode if you have a story that you'd like to share with other people um, then let us know we might feature you on the podcast as well so far let us know your thoughts on the podcast the series what we should add what we should take out we appreciate your support and taking the time to listen to all of this that we've put together please check out our facebook page at 1730 media like comment and share with us anything thank you to lorette for her contribution the music is Brooklyn and the Bridge by Nico Staff and The Missing 11th by DJ Williams. 